a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start. Let me tell you how my day started this morning. I woke up early, and I am not an early morning person. I don't know if I've confessed that to you or not. I know that spiritual people typically are early morning people, but I am not. So maybe that means I'm not spiritual, but I woke up early this morning. I got out of bed, and I immediately started to pray. And I was just thinking about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the provision of God. And so I went to my Bible, I opened it up, and I started writing out scriptures. And as I started writing out the scriptures, I was like, oh my goodness, God's word is so good. It is so specific. It is such a source of joy for us. It is such a source of peace for us. It is such a source of instruction for us. And so I don't know why some days it's hard to get in the word, but today I was in the word. So I hope you've been in the word. I know that the Lord has a word for us today. So I want to welcome back Shelly Chandler. Thank you. Hey, Shelly. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm glad to be here again. How did your day start? Well, my day started a little different than yours. We all know I have this weird relationship with my dog. We're codependent on one another. And I'm wondering where he is this morning. And I look and look and I have no idea. And he is outside, in my husband's own words, digging his own grave. And so we now have a war zone in our backyard. It is no longer a pretty grassy, lovely, secluded oasis. It is now a mining trench is really what it looks like. So that is how my day started. I've been trying to tell you these dogs are problems. (laughs) I've been trying to tell you. Maybe now you'll finally listen. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Probably Um, not. (laughs) No, I won't. I still kissed him goodbye before we left. Well, that's good. It's such good picture of love. Unconditional love. Yes, it is unconditional. (laughs) So we're sporting the blush um, blouses today. We did not coordinate, but yet we did. And then Bethany's in the studio with us too. She's not on a mic and she's got the mauve going on. So we probably need to get a picture or something. Oh, absolutely. But blush is in. It is. It's the color. And it looks so good on blondes. Are we not so happy about that? I'm so thankful for that. (laughs) It's the little things. It is. It is. is. All right. So we're in the middle of this series that I'm so excited about. And let me tell you, Shelly, whenever I was in my prayer closet coming up with this idea, I had no idea how much it's really connected together. Yes. And are we surprised by that? I I mean, the more you study, the more it connects with other parts of the Bible. And that's just God. I mean, that's not a surprise, but it does still shock us at times. I hope it always takes my breath away. I want to always be in awe. I say that. I, I don't ever want to be so familiar that I don't just stand in awe of how he is and how he weaves his word together. Absolutely. So the series is God is, and then kind of fill in the blank. And so we're talking about four things in the midst of this series. God is love, God is hope, God is peace, and God is joy. So I want us to go back and walk through our first two that we talked about in previous programs so we can see how this is just building, how God is just showing us who he is. And so when we talked about how God is love, we talked about how God lavishes his love on his children. And that we have the opportunity to be called a child of God. I mean, let that just flow over you today. What does that mean to you, Shelley? Oh, it's it's just one of those things that's priceless. There really aren't words that we serve a God 
that actually wants us. It's not just something where he is just indifferent, but he actually desires to have a relationship with us, so much so that he is willing to give his only son that we might be his children. And at the end of that first program where, where we talked about God is love, we just shared the gospel. Yes. You know, because that's where it so, starts, yeah. you know, because the gospel is the picture of God's love. God demonstrated his yes. love in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, that demonstrated, lavished love. And then, you know, scripture goes on to tell because we have received that love, we are called to give that love. Absolutely. And so it becomes just this overflow of who God is through our lives. And then there's this like distinct distinguishing fact about us that's really not about us. It's about him as other people look at us and say, you know what? There's just something different about you. And we can go, oh, no, no, no. Only God. Only God. So uh, God is love. That was just a great reminder. And then God is hope. And I know that that was particularly meaningful to you. So tell us a little bit about how God is our hope. Well, the thing that struck me so much about God being our hope and how God is hope, he encompasses everything that is about hope, was just that simple phrase at the end of the Romans 5 chapter where it says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. And it just overwhelmed me. It's something I've read. This is what we mean when we say it's alive. You can read something several different times, a million different times, and you will get something new from it every time. But when it spoke to me and it said that this hope would never lead to disappointment, it was just like a warm blanket for me to just kind of squeeze myself inside of because I was living in a season of disappointment and God was showing me, yes, this season for you is disappointing, but Shelly, I will never disappoint you. And when you put your hope in the correct place, when you don't put it in the temporary, when you put it into the eternal, that hope never leads to disappointment because that hope always leads to God. That's right. And, you know, we think about Romans chapter five, which is, you know, the passage that we looked at last week and how actually we see somewhat of a formula, maybe somewhat of a pathway or a plan when it comes to accessing that hope, which is first and foremost, we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some trials. We're going to have some disappointments. We're actually going to talk about that again today. And that shouldn't surprise us. You know, we're going to have those uh, problems and those trials. And those actually give us an opportunity to have endurance, to actually exercise our faith, to actually demonstrate what we believe in the midst of those times. And that produces character in us. And when I think about character, I think about how that's who we are. I mean, at the core of our hearts and at the core of our minds, at the core of our being, you know, who are we? Whose are we? What do we believe? And that character that has been refined by the fire leads to a confident hope. And so Romans chapter five was just so powerful in the midst of who God is and who we are in relationship to him. And so God is love. God is hope. And for God is hope, our application was, we have to know the word. Absolutely. We've got to get into the word. We've got to claim that word. We've got to fight well armed with the word of God because our enemy is real. And so is our flesh. You know, we tend (laughs) to go to the temporary things. We tend to try to find our hope in the bank account or perhaps the health report or the relationships or even like the experiences that we want to have, you know, the life 
life that we long for. And so we want to push past that and we want to be mature believers in Christ. And so we see that God in his faithfulness is just building upon his character. And as he is building on his character, he's building our character. And so we're going to move on. And today we're going to talk about how God is joy. And when I hear that word, Shelly, I I have to admit, I think of you because you have (laughs) the most beautiful smile. It is a joyful smile. It is a contagious (laughs) smile. And so when we talk about God is joy, we talk about how really our joy is found in Christ. So let's talk a little bit about it. What does that mean to you? Well, we've talked about this, but we need to let the listeners know this is such a smart saying for you to just kind of keep in the back of your mind. But happiness depends on happenings and joy depends on Jesus. And if you'll just remember that, it has more to do with whose you are and where you are in him rather than what's going on around you. So many times we view these attributes of God, this love, this joy, this hope, and we we put human boundaries and parameters on them. And the minute we do that, God ceases to be God. And so he's so much more. And so when we talk about God being our joy, it is something that is demonstrative once again, like his love is demonstrative. Joy from God is action. And God gives you joy when you remain in him. It's part of this formula for discipleship, but also just how God operates. When he loves you, he demonstrates it. And when you love God, you demonstrate that back by being obedient. And that leads to joy. Absolutely. You know, I think about joy and how, you know, so often our circumstances are a thief when it comes to joy because we follow that worldly mindset that our happiness comes from our happenings, but joy comes from Jesus. And whenever we unpack that thought that joy comes from Jesus, it gives us this solid foundation to build our lives upon the rock, the rock who is Christ, you know? And so we are excited about this thought or this concept of sharing with you that Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our rock. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. And, you know, that is a very rich passage of scripture. And I want just to read a couple of verses and then we're going to unpack that together. I'm going to go all the way back, Shelley, to verse one. We had talked about starting in the middle, but when we go back to verse one, we see the beauty of how joy happens in community. So uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's where he's at right now. Absolutely. Praise God. Absolutely. Let's go back and let's think about verse one, where it talks about this cloud of witnesses, these people who are literally cheering us on. Mm -hmm. Last night, we had a chance to talk on the phone as we were preparing for today. And we talked about this concept of people who God has placed in our lives to cheer for us. And isn't it a difference maker? It it makes all the difference when you have someone that is coming behind you and they, they just feel the role of the Holy Spirit and that they fill in some of these gaps. And we have people like that in our lives that we know they're a direct gift from God that when maybe you're not quite feeling it, they see the finished picture that you aren't quite able to get to yet. And so this is to me what what this is, this witnesses, this great cloud that is cheering us on. And so whenever we think about this great cloud that's cheering us on, we can know that joy happens in the context of community.
community. It's not an isolated thing that maybe we happen to fall into by ourselves, but it happens as we engage in other relationships and as other people come into our life and they begin to cheer us on. They begin to invest in our lives and we begin to cheer for them. And so on the other side of the break, we're going to come back and we're going to continue to unpack Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to see how Jesus is the source of our joy. In just a moment, Andrea will return with a final thought. If you would like to hear more of her teachings, visit andrealennonministry.org. It is the ultimate website for the girl on the go with Bible studies, video sessions, podcasts, books, and down-to-earth blogs straight from Andrea's heart. Be sure and subscribe so that you can stay connected. Again, that's andrealennon.org. Now, let's hear a final truth from Andrea. All right, we're back and we're continuing our conversation with Shelly Chandler about how God is joy. We talked about Hebrews chapter 12 and how it really kind of gives us a pathway to understand joy, to access joy, to walk in joy, to just embrace joy for who it is, which is Jesus. And so we talked about this concept that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and how joy happens in the context of community. And we both have had individuals in our lives who have gone before and have, you know, created the way, who have paved the way, who their legacy has become a part of our journey. And now we are able to do that for the next generation down, which is such great joy. But then there are those people that God sprinkles into our lives, almost like just special cheerleaders, you know, people who it's like, okay, God has called them to pray for us. God has called them to cheer for us. God has called them to send us a text at just the right moment to say, hey, I see what God is doing in you. And that just reminds reminds us about our passionate pursuit of Jesus, which produces joy. joy yes. So we want to we want to be really clear about that, that joy happens in the context of community. Joy also happens in the context of a disciplined walk with God that fights sin. Absolutely. And that which so easily entangles us yes. because the things of the flesh often wage war against the things of the spirit. It's not often, it's all the time. That's what happens. And so we have to engage in battle. And I think one particular issue that can really be a thief of joy is comparison. Absolutely. You know, we begin to look at other people's lives and other people's situations and other people's circumstances and other people's background and other people's whatever. And we begin to think, I I don't know that I can be joyful. I don't know that I can be who God has called me to be. But what scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12 is that we have to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily Easily. entangles us. And so like we need to hear those words and go, okay, we're in a battle. We're in a battle for joy. So what do you think about that, Shelley? Well, I just think that is so true that if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing to joy that that we do to these other attributes and we'll give them human context. And we cannot do that. We have to realize that this kind of joy is supernatural. This is not something that you can manufacture on your own. This is something that comes straight from God. Absolutely. And so as we engage in those spiritual battles, as we identify the areas of life that are temptations for us, areas maybe that are actual traps where we have fallen into that pit and we have tried to get joy from that situation. And so we've fallen into the happiness category instead of the joy category. And maybe we're experiencing some regret, some shame, some doubt, some despair, Um, 
uh, maybe we're at a place where we're stuck. You know, I posted this morning on social media. Sometimes we just feel stuck. Yes. And when we feel stuck, we think, does God have a plan? Yes. You know, have I messed up? Can I move forward from here? And the thing about God that we see throughout Scripture, because He is love, because He is hope, because He is peace, because He is joy, He is a redeeming God. And we're never, ever beyond His grace. No. And so right now, if you're thinking, I love this concept of joy, I love this idea of joy, and I think it works great for others, but you don't understand where I've been. I want you to dig deep. I want you to look at God's word and say, okay, what is the sin that is easily entangling me? What is the trap that I'm falling into? How can I crucify that and then return to Christ? And when we do that, we will fix our eyes on Jesus, which is what the scripture says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And remember, he is the author, which means he is the beginning and the Mm -hmm. perfecter, which means he is every single step of the way. So in our journey, it's not like he just saves us and then says, have a good time. (laughs) See you on the other side. Good luck. No, 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 no. He's perfecting us. He is at work in us. He is at work around us and he is becoming the example for us. And so that's what scripture says next. And I know that this is a point that you are so passionate about. So Shelly, I'm going to give it to you. After we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, what happens next? Oh, I just love this. When we set our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Once again, when you have this human concept, you would never put the word joy and the word cross in a sentence together. I mean, there's not a joyful cross. There's a suffering cross. There's a shameful cross. But Jesus knew that something greater was coming. This is where we have joy. This is where we get the foundation for our joy, that no matter what is going on in our lives, if you are a child of God, if you have received that lavish love, if you have that hope inside of you, there is a greater joy coming. You can have joy now in your current circumstances, but we as children of God know that one day a greater joy is coming. And this is what Jesus saw. This is what he understood. This is why he was able to scorn the shame of the cross for the joy set before him because he knew what was coming. And that joy is accredited to us. Amen. It is yes. given to us. It is lavished on us because he did endure the cross. He did think about the joy that was set before. And that joy ultimately was when he sat down at the right hand of the yes. Father. Because what happened in that moment, Shelley, is that he started interceding and praying for yes. us. Like, yes. I want to shout. Know. <laughs> like, can you see me on the edge of my seat? Yes. Like, I am I, I'm just, it's this overwhelming. is awesome. Yes. This is so awesome. So he's, he's, he thought about that joy that was ahead. He lived for that greater joy. He walked through that season of the cross, he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered disease, he conquered dismay, he rose again, he provides the only way for us to be saved. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and that's where he's at right now. And that brought him joy. joy. Yes. And, and I think about how that brought him joy because that was the Father's plan. All along, God knew that once this act of Jesus, once again, it's an act. We cannot forget that when God does something, he demonstrates it. But once this act that Christ did when he gave his life for us, God gave him a name that is above every name and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God, the father. That is the joy that Jesus knew was coming, that one day everything would be 
under his feet. And it will be perfect. 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 He is the author of our faith. He is the perfecter of our faith. For the child of God, a day is coming when we will go home. Amen. And yes. that will be our joy. Ultimate joy. Ultimate joy. Yes. And so for now, we have to fight for it. Yeah. Like, can I just be honest and say we have no, to fight for yes. our joy? We have to be aware, like you were saying earlier, we have to be aware of our enemy. We don't wage war the way the world does. We have different weapons, and our weapon is God's Word. And if we do not abide in His Word, we will not have joy. We'll fall into that temporary we definition. We'll start looking for happiness. And when we can't find it, we'll start to question. Yes. We'll begin to wonder. We'll, we'll question God. <laughs> oh, who, absolutely. who is he? What can he do? Right. What is he going to do? What is he willing to do? But if we can stop in those moments and go back to Hebrews chapter 12 and we can go, all right, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. God is faithful. He has put people in our lives. People have gone before. People are going to come behind the story of God is an everlasting story, and God has been writing it before the foundations of the earth were even formed. So we're just a part of that story, and then we get to cast off that sin. We get to cast off those struggles. We get to cast off those traps. We get to cast off those temptations, and we get to fix our eyes on the joy that is Jesus, and then we get to just persevere so that one day we will experience that joy. So it's just good stuff. It's so good, and it makes me think of John chapter 15 and verse 11 when it says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Mm. And what was it that he had told them? He told them to remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me. And when we remain in him, that is how we receive the joy that Christ has. And that is how our joy is complete. And I love this definition of complete. It says it's satisfactory. It's replete. That it is one of those things that you just sit back and almost say, ah, because your joy in Christ is complete. Well, and as we think about a complete joy, we have to understand the connection in John 15 to an abiding relationship, yes. you know, and so every single day waking up and having a morning kind of like what I had this yes, morning, absolutely. which doesn't always happen for me. I mean, it is a struggle you know, sometimes. Sometimes the dog, you know, digs a trench in the backyard. Exactly. What a great example. What a great thing <laughs> God has done this morning. It doesn't always work out, right. <laughs> you know, but to fight for that abiding relationship yes. and to really fight for our sanctification. to just say, I'm not going to settle for temporary happiness. Yes, I think sometimes people don't realize that nothing comes to you accidentally. If you actually want to have this abiding life, you must pursue it. It is something that has to be intentional. I love the saying that one of our pastors says, when you wake up in the morning, you make up your mind and you make up your bed. And it is just an outward showing of an internal decision that I have decided today where my steps will go. And this is what you have to do in your relationship as well with God. It has to be intentional. I want us to go back to the concept of Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, where it talked about that great cloud of witnesses, because I think that that also requires an action on our part to look at the people surrounding us, to look at how much we are engaged in meaningful relationships that truly build authentic community, vulnerability, transparency, and accountability in our life. 
life, you know, and how that in comparison to relationships that foster comparison or jealousy or feelings of inadequacy or insecurities and to go, where am I engaging my time? Where am I engaging my resources? Where am I engaging my heart in that process? Because oftentimes we will long for the joy, but we set ourselves up to only achieve the happiness. So how can we go, all right, I need to reevaluate here. I need to make sure that I am filling my life with godly relationships, with people who are cheering with me, who are cheering for me, who are invested in my life. And, And I think it's easy for us because we live in a world that is driven by technology. And obviously, I'm not against that. I'm on the radio right now. That is a form of technology. But we can become loners. We can become isolated. And we can think, you know, I'll make it on my own because we don't want to risk our heart. Because Uh relationships can be challenging. They're risky, yes. They are risky. But as we engage in the process Mm -hmm. of abiding in Christ, He will bring the right people. Absolutely. He will surround us with that great cloud. He already has. There are people in heaven cheering for us even right now. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will bring that right group around us right now. And He's going to call us to be that right group for somebody else. And so as we think about cultivating joy, how we can move past happiness so that we can experience the joy of Jesus, I want to leave you with a challenge. And the first challenge is this, just find those right people, engage in those relationships and go all in. Next, identify the sin. Where are you easily entangled by the things of this world? Confess that sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us from those sins. We do not have to stay in the pit. Uh, Then fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author. He is the perfecter of our faith. And then follow his example. There was a joy before him and he fixed his eyes resolutely on that joy. And he walked through the difficult times in order to accomplish it. We have to do the same thing. And as we do that, our joy will be made complete in Jesus. Amen. This episode of Inspire On The Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth On The Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.